Welcome back. It has been a hiatus for a few weeks. Once again, you're listening to the Once Upon a Stream podcast. I'm your host, Maddie Shook. Um, Megan will be with us as far as in a second portion of the conversation on this episode. So we have a special guest here today. And so um, Kayla Sutton, who queen of Twitter and many other things, <laughs> is here with us. Hi. Hi, Kayla. Hello. <laughs> That's a new one. I normally get timeline terrorists, so I'm going to add Queen of Twitter to my bio because that makes me feel better. It's true. If the crown yes. fits. <laughs> and no, so, I'm really happy to be on here. Yeah. <laughs> we are talking about 2009's um, as far as Disney Princess Classic, Princess and the Frog. It feels so weird saying like anything from 2009 is like quote unquote classic, but it is technically like over 10 years old now, which uh, uh, that uh, ages me so much. <laughs> you just you feel a deep because like I I literally I still remember seeing it in theaters when I was like in high school, and so you're just like uh <laughs> so long ago. There we go, but. I'm super excited to talk about this film that it is one of those where it was kind of, that's the thing I like about this podcast is just through Disney plus kind of bringing back things that like I personally haven't revisited in a while. And so, um, cause like I said, saw it in theaters, loved it, but only caught it like a couple times cause it didn't end up getting it on like actual physical media or anything, but it's back on the streaming service and so got to revisit it and it's just it's so good and as far as like I know in in terms of since Kayla you're you're new and me and Megan have both talked about like our history with Disney and everything but did you grow up as far as like hardcore Disney fan as well um I kind of say I'm Disney by birth so my grandmother and as we'll get into it later we start talking about the movie my grandparents my family are from Mississippi and um, Louisiana. So for me, we were in the summers, we were in the middle of nowhere, no cable, and my grandmother just had a two shelves that were full of Disney VHSs. And it has grown, and of course, it started to add DVDs, and now she has Disney Plus, and she's a happy person. And before all of them were added to the, like, were put back in the vault, my aunt had someone convert all her VHSs to DVD. It was a whole thing. So uh, Disney is pretty ingrained in me and always has been. So it, it is, um, it, like I said, a Disney Viber. So it's, like, really hardcore. Um, I had the typical fourth birthday. We went to Disney World. Um, but I am a Disneyland girl. I'm going to say that. Thank you for <laughs> recognizing the best park. Like, <laughs> I, I, I just, Disney World, and I, it's so many people, and it's overwhelming, but there are so many times at Disneyland where you can find a moment, and it's kind of like, wow, we're like one of like maybe, a, you know, a couple thousand as opposed to like, you know, a couple, you know, 10,000 people at the park where there's, it's just There's little nice. quiet corners, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's nice um, to 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 be able to do that. But yeah, so Disney definitely by birth, and um, it was kind of just kind of passed to me. No one in my family has like an an affliction to like Disney and it being too happy or too whimsical. Every I think that's the great part about it is there's something for everyone. So my son, of course, is Disney by birth, and luckily my husband 
uh, loves Disney just as much as I do. We definitely bump heads to certain things he's not a fan of that I love. Um, but I think that's what's great about Disney and the Disney fandom is that is there is so much that it is so diversified. Um, you could not be into Disney princesses and love all the Disney live actions of the older ones. And I definitely grew up on the Disney vault. I was one of those kids in the summer that would stay up till 4 a.m. to watch the Disney vault and watch Pollyanna or the cats from outer space or um, Swiss Family Robinson. So, Dude, those are some deep cuts that you're throwing. So there, there's cut. some Disney cred there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Because then as far as um, kind of bringing it back to Princess and the Frog specifically, that this movie was definitely a return to form. Because then when you bring up like where it kind of is in the whole timeline of like Disney feature film, but specifically Disney animation, that this has been like, the first 2D animated movie in a while because they had had like a stream of because after like the spectacular failure of Home on the Range which is not because it's 2D animation it's because it's a bad movie but you know executives (laughs) try to like causing correlation try to blame it on something so then they didn't do 2d for a very long time and so you kind of have where that art form you were almost wondering if like that's kind of dying a little but then um this was kind of bringing that back like bringing it musker and clements who as far as disney legends themselves of like hugely influential in the disney renaissance and from so on and so forth and bringing also just like the princess movie you know the musical where the cast are actually singing the songs it's not just a phil collins soundtrack and that like bringing that like because there's a specific magic that comes specifically from the princess movies that like other disney films have like still that sense of joy and wonder and imagination to it but like these are kind of in a tier unto itself and so really kind of kind of getting to bring that back and so it's interesting of just the contrast of there's a lot of familiar things of Disney bringing it back to but also a lot of firsts that they were doing and so obviously right out the gate the most prominent thing that everyone kind of brought up is this is the first as far as Disney movie that does feature an African-American princess Mm -hmm. and huge deal like because in terms of I know personally like as far as the representation conversation there's only so much I'm able to really kind of bring my experiences into it but as far as I know growing up it was like a big deal of just that Belle was the only like princess that had brown hair and mm-hmm. the like that was a big deal for me but that's just such a superficial tiny little thing that I can't imagine as far as like the growing experience of because much like you Disney has been something I've loved and adored right from the very start and like has been just such a huge deal for me but like I personally can't imagine of like getting to experience that but also not being able to really see yourself in it because you have like Fantasia which we won't get into that um or or Dumbo but as far as really it's not really Hercules till you actually have any black characters that are actual characters you know Mm -hmm. 
I mean, and it, 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 it's tough, though, because, I mean, like, there's brown characters that are sprinkled throughout, for sure. You know, like, mine, of course, was latching on to Jasmine as hardly, like, as hard as I could. I was Jasmine for three Halloweens as a kid because that was the only, and, you know, technically I am closer to Jasmine's color than I am Tiana's, but I think that that's just the thing. That they've always had them kind of sprinkled in, but they were never, like, they were always something else as opposed to being African-American or being black. And I think that that's where Tiana came in and kind of, they tried to fill a void for a lot of people. And there are some people that don't feel like that void was filled, but for me, and I know it was, it was meaningful. So I think it's, it's one of those things of like, you won't know how you feel until you get it. Like I won't ever know how I feel once we get a true Latinx, you know, Disney princess. Because, I mean, like, we've got Sophia. And then they tried to give us Elena, but Elena is Spanish. Still on TV, and it's still like a Playhouse <laughs> Disney show. That yeah. and Her parade at California Adventure is awesome. I will give that, but it's still not the same thing. Yeah, and, and I don't think they understand that that is not, that Sophia is not, that's a child. It's for, it's for kids. Technically, all of Disney is technically for kids, and everyone is a kid. But um, there's, it's not the same. So I think that uh, at some point they'll kind of understand, but I don't know. But I think with Tiana, it was uh, definitely a shock. I wasn't ready. Of course, I was 19 and I was in college when this came out. Um, and very, uh, you know, fresh off of having a baby and was very emotional <laughs> but I think it, it definitely meant a lot to me to have her and then for her to be reflected as someone from home I think that was the bigger part for me too I just having that it's when I miss home and when I'm homesick and it's, my family can tell it'll be like oh she's watching Princess in the Frog she probably needs to go home uh, it's I think it's having that and you know regionally where she was from that was even more impactful for me because I like, you know, a lot of times when you come across the discourse amongst when people are talking about, like, different castings or things that, you know, they always bring up as far as, like, oh, this story originated from this specific region, mostly Europe as far as with a lot of these tales and stuff, you know, as far as what they brought it up with the Little Mermaid casting last year of just, like, oh, this story's Danish, so it needs to be, like someone technically that looks like they're from Denmark which is BS but that that's where I thought it was the bold decision of honestly you trace so many of these like classic fairy tale stories back and a lot of them more are before they were written down and into like actual books and things it was just kind of like an oral tradition that you can kind of trace back to different areas and Disney does have the level of influence that kind of like canonizes it if you will but that's where it is a bold decision if they took that classic like the frog prince fairy tale and then decided to make the bold choice of no we're going to set this in america and bring it into new orleans mm -hmm. and I it gave it yeah oh, go ahead no you go ahead sorry <laughs> oh but I, I think it just it gave it like such a like richness to it of that it was something that we hadn't come across before in any of the other films and so because at this point 
I'd have to do the exact math in my head, but you're close to at least about like 10 Disney princess films at this point, probably somewhere around that number that uh, as far as adding like the setting really helps kind of make it its own thing and not just kind of blend into the other like stories and things that they've done before. I think that um, a lot of it too, with having it set being uh, New Orleans and having it set during Mardi Gras, it kind of opened up a new, of course, you have to think about it. Me, I always look at it because I'm in marketing and I look at it from a marketing perspective. What's the easiest way we can market this once we get the movie? When is it going to hit? How can we bring this into the parks? And so it was smart on Disney's end to do it that way because, of course, you're going to have Mardi Gras stuff. They do something with it. They have the bands at um, Disneyland and Disney World during Mardi Gras, and they do all of the Tiana stuff. Like the New Um, Orleans Square and all that. Yeah, so they do all of that. um, So that on on their part was smart. Um, I do think that um, I know a lot of people did find it that it was interesting that they chose that time um a lot of people that i know that did have their issues with it were some of the characteristics of like that they gave it and it kind of but for me and i think just knowing where i grew up and knowing that a lot of it is still the same down there um for me regionally and i know a lot of people that are from here that actually real that from that region this is our movie and I say that a lot. So I remember when I started dating my husband, I told him, you're the princess and the frog. And I was like, you want to watch it with me? He's like, well, I was like, this is my movie. <laughs> like, well, what does that mean? I was like, this is, this is my movie. Like, at the end of the day, this is reflective of, like, the people that I grew up with, my family. And I think it was a bold choice to actually have so much in New Orleans and have it be so ingrained in New Orleans and the swamp and then Creo. Um, and give Creo words and Creo characteristics to characters. Um, so I, I do think that it, it for me, uh, was impactful in that way. But I, I do see it from the Disney marketing perspective of why they chose the location, why they chose what holiday it was. Because from, this, from their perspective, it's what can we do? Um, what's going to be most appealing, of course, is a ball and, and, and gowns and masks and a masquerade. And that's what people enjoy going to do. So that's going to bring people into the parks. It's going to get them to buy the things, buy the special Tiana stuff. Um, but yeah, I, 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 that, think, I think it is an interesting thing of like being a fan of like film and television in like this modern era with all these like big corporate companies is sometimes that you do get to see when the vertical integration and the synergy, like the cynical business choices line up with the artistry and do kind of together get to create something well, where as far as that there still is a certain level of creativity that's involved. So it doesn't feel like completely soulless as far as putting that in, but that it still works with the story flow but you're like I totally see what you're doing with that I'm still surprised that they have yet to make like convert the restaurant in the parks in the New Orleans Square area into Tiana's Palace but Mm -hmm. hopefully they do that at some point but especially in terms of Disney since there are so many other facets and everything of just the merch the parks all of that 
sometimes kind of seeing how those puzzle pieces together is definitely fascinating on that standpoint. Mm -hmm. For sure. Because then also as far as like speaking of branding, just the Disney princess brand specifically is such a huge deal. And Mm -hmm. as far as they're like these as far as anything that is kind of entry into the Disney princess canon if you will that there's a lot attached to it and so I know there's a lot of pressure as far as to really do this right and so um I know as far as like animators involved that they really did kind of speak to people involved in like New Orleans history and culture and stuff that um I know Eric Goldberg who he did kind of led the animation for the almost there sequence that's kind of a bit more stylized that he really Mm -hmm. studied a lot of art from the Harlem Renaissance to kind of get like the feel that they were going for with that as far as like kind of keeping the aesthetic true to the time period and like the setting as well I will say that is and I will die on this hill this is that almost there is the most beautiful piece of animation it's gorgeous. In the past 20 years. Um, as much as I love Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse I, and the animation on that, this was top-notch. And I am one of those people that like, hey, we, we could have gotten a lot more scenes like that. For me, mm-hmm. I would have loved it. But it does fit perfectly in what it was trying to do. But it is one of the most beautifully animated scenes. Or literally every frame you could just like put put a picture frame around it hang it on a wall and it's just gorgeous and i and i've said that too to people they're like well i turned 30 next month and i told them they're like what do you want i said i want like that that like if you get that for me and like frame it i might cry because <laughs> it's, it's beautiful it's the most be- like just her walking down the line of uh the waiters and just she's it, it is still beautifully stylized in that specific art I, uh, I remember watching the movie theater and just like gasped because it was just so well done. Um, but I, and I think it did what it was supposed to do. It made me want more of that. Um, but it, uh, you know, I know it's not there. And it's just like, like I'm such a 2D animation fan. Um, it just, I, I miss that. And I think that's what's so beautiful about this movie is because it is that very classic 2D animation that just kind of, you know how much work went into it and it just makes you appreciate it so much more. Yeah, because I know like a lot of the backgrounds they still did with like computer and stuff and then what they would do is all the hair, like the characters were hand-drawn and then scanned to be like placed in said backgrounds, which Mm -hmm. I think is an interesting way to like still kind of keep that aspect to it but 2d as far as it's just it's a rare art form that i really hope as much as i love like how much the technology has progressed and like the visuals that you can get with computer graphics like there were shots in frozen 2 that were just gorgeous but i i still hope like every now and then that they do bring a 2d animated film back to really kind of keep that medium alive and Mm -hmm. because it's so unique and it just takes so much care and artistry to it and that like the expressiveness that you're able to bring 
I still think lives more in that scenario than any of the like 3D or like CGI animated stuff. Yeah. And I mean, so, I think that's why everybody loved Hair Love as much as they did because it was such a throwback to that. It still has some of the newer animation, but the short had a lot of the TV that people love. So I think that there's a want and there's a, I'm, I'm, there is definitely a want for it. And I think that the studios are starting to realize that and go trying to go back to it. Yeah. Cause as far as just that emotional connection to it is like no other. And then I, also, which really kind of helps is like tying that visual in is the cast on this movie is great. And that I appreciate that they really didn't go for celebrity stunt casting in this movie because it makes it so like that you are able to truly connect of makes those characters live on its own instead of just oh it's xyz celebrity even though as it's well documented basically everyone like the short list that they had on the search for tiana there were some really big names in there because you had jennifer hudson and you had alicia keys and you had tyra banks and then you know there's the you know the urban legend of them saying they wanted Beyonce but she wouldn't audition but as far as I really think Anika Noni Rose is perfect for this she is one of the like humble brags nicest person in person as human being I've ever met in my entire life um so deeply genuine and just her presence is she is Tiana in real life, if that makes any sense. She's just, she very much so put a lot of herself into Tiana, mm-hmm. which I do appreciate. She's just perfect at her. Like, I don't, I, I can't imagine anyone else, you know, anyone else as her. And I think that's what I love about each and every single one of the Disney princesses. All there's like, there's a strength and a softness to like her tone and, in both like just singing vocals but also as far as just her regular speaking voice too as far mm-hmm. as there's a warmth to it that just draws you in yeah and, and i think that's what's great about all the disney princesses they've all have that where it's like that character belongs to them and nobody else yeah. no one else can really do that um you know of course we've had the ones that have passed on and so that that voice has been carried on by someone else however it's just that the those it's theirs yeah yeah (laughs) and the only ones as far as just with jasmine and mulan those are shared between two people where they both kind of have equal stake in it but because leia salonga is an icon but (laughs) that's where i do appreciate with kind of those disney princess roles that they are like specifically people who do have like a musical theater background and just of like the diversity in their performance and all of that of how they're able to bring that that character to life and it's just that character is theirs and it will never be ever taken away from them and so you just hear them talk and you're just like oh my gosh it's that person it's tiana it's ariel it's Belle, like that kind of thing where Mm -hmm. that's where as far as a big stumbling block and like them choosing to remake so many of like the Disney Renaissance movies, which we have such a strong connection to and that the original voice actors, it's just such their character. 
you're still not able to like fully bond with it because especially since they're still around that you're just like no you're not Belle sorry Emma Watson you're not Belle (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's it's why I have such a hard time with them and I I'm a big advocate like I don't love the live action films and it all started because Tim Burton ruined Alice in Wonderland (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I I I, I know people have said, oh, I want this for Princess and the Frog, or I want this, and I'm like, I just, I would much rather people leave it alone just, and just leave it, it as be. a purple little bubble. Where that's where um, one of our, our second episode was Lady and the Tramp, and talking about that, since that's like not top tier as far as like the things that people are super connected with and so that way it's like okay you can you can play around a little bit with your lady in the tramp because it's not like one of the untouchables as far as it, it's a it's okay to have some interpretation with but like honestly it's like a Dumbo because Dumbo was the same way Dumbo was yeah. perfect I love the live action Dumbo that's what got me on okay maybe they can do this maybe this works um but I think Am it's I still going thing. to see Mulan opening weekend? Yes. Did the trailer make me cry? Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, and the, I, what I do appreciate about that is that it's not the movie. And they're yeah. going back to the original story, which I completely appreciate them for. Um, you know, but I had a hard time with Lion King. I had a hard time with Jungle Book because those characters are deeply ingrained. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot I mean, insane. I was, yeah. And Aladdin, I liked Aladdin more than I thought I was going to like Aladdin. True. So I think that with the live action ones, it does make it tough. I do hope they never do a live action Princess of the Frog. (laughs) No. (laughs) Just, Just don't. Like, I would be more open to, well, Princess and the Frog wouldn't translate to Broadway well because for a good chunk of the movie your characters are frogs but it would have to be some like julie taymor puppetry going on which i'm not sure how that would pan out but mm-hmm. well there's a thought but anyway as far as yeah anika noni rose's literal perfection as tiana and i love it and tiana's just such an interesting character too as far as of like how she's different from the other princesses and just that she, um when I was rewatching it I was like oh this is as far as a Disney princess that is an actual adult who like works for a living and understands kind of that struggle that as far as obviously there's like story-wise struggle for some of the other characters of basically Cinderella was enslaved by her family but uh, as far as of just like you when you watch Princess and the Frog you're like Tiana gets the day-to-day grind and like trying for something and it being like just out of reach but still pulling for that and that's such a huge thing as far as like a role model for like the next generation that's watching it and stuff and um that also just she really knows who she is because um so many of the 90s movies one of the key elements is that like search for identity of that they're just kind of the main characters are figuring themselves out of like wanting to get out and experience the world or like see who like their real reflection is if you will but 
Tiana knows who she is. It's just as far as figuring out how to get to what she wants and what she actually needs. Yeah. I think that that if she, if she's got a means. I think that she, she has a way. She just needs a means to get there. And I think that that's, you know, perfect. Of course, that leads to, you know, almost there. Like, I'm I'm just there. I've had this thing I've worked so hard for, this dream that I've had that my dad gave me. And I just think that it, for her, she was a developed character in that way. And a lot of people didn't understand why she was working. I'm like, that's just a lot of people. And I think that I related to that a lot. My grandmother started working when she was 16 in Mississippi. Uh, she started off as like a receptionist at the social security office and then worked her way all the way up to working and making really good money at the social security office. And so I know what that's like. I know that story. That story is my grandmother from Louisiana. So I, I for me, I, I appreciated that she was given that kind of uh, story journey um, of working for something. It gave, it made her more endearing. Um, and I, I think it it added an extra level of, you know, what you wanted to see. And it kind of laid the path of what you got down the line from the next few Disney movies or Disney female characters that you got. It was like, okay, well, we, we this worked with Tiana. Let's do a little bit more. Let's not make them damsels in distress. Um, let's, let's pull away from that. And uh, I think that that, that's something that what makes Tiana extremely special is she kind of laid that groundwork. Yeah, because you can kind of see even from like comparing because like the last two Musker and Clemens projects that from like Princess and the Frog to Moana, you don't you don't get a Moana without having Tiana first. Mm-hmm. As far as of someone who's just so self-assured and just capable and just she's the one figuring things out as far as like creating an action and a plan and stuff and like has so much agency in her story too as far as like even though obviously the transformation into a frog kind of happens to her once that happens she just kind of moves along of okay let's let's figure this out (laughs) how are we going to get out of this Mm -hmm. and so that's where too as far as when you kind of get that change in female character like that this is also kind of seeing the change in the the prince character of the love interest that you know a lot of people kind of brought up when frozen 2 came out a couple months ago of just that like Kristoff is kind of the different disney prince that is just like kind of perfect supportive boyfriend of just how do i make your dreams happen all of that and once again i think before you get like a Kristoff character, you need Naveen first. That at first, like, you know, he's not the most likable character of just that he's charismatic, but also kind of like lazy and a little worthless. But that yeah. he grows so much in that movie. Mm-hmm. And by by the end of it is such like great support system for this character that we love Tiana so much. So we want whoever she ends up with to like be at her level and Naveen does get there by the end of the story I do love that the story with them and how they did their love journey of 
of course, it's a Disney movie. Everything is wrapped up in a nice, pretty bubble by the end of the movie. And but their their obstacles were very real obstacles, you know. And even though it's a magical movie and they're turned into frogs, their issues are very real. You know, he doesn't you know want that life. He would rather not have it, not be subjected to it. He got cut off. Tiana needs the money and okay, well, you know, I'll see if I can get you married to my friend and then she'd be able to give me the money and you'd be able to give me the money and we'll make it work. And I think that once you get to that step with Naveen and how he realizes that, you know, what he's been, it kind of of is a reverse. And, you know, he's the one that's realizing that he needs her and he's in distress. And I think that is what makes him kind of that that prototype that we got going forward for Disney princesses or the men of Disney. I think that we got, you know, the, they're technically not bumbling idiots, but they're they're guys that have kind of lost their way. And mm-hmm. it's just that old adage, behind every great man, there's a great woman. And I think that that's, you know, behind every that great That being with her princess. makes him better. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. Because you get that in both, like, also like a Flynn Rider too, kind of Mm -hmm. a similar vibe. Yeah. And then, like, I I do think, while obviously like ending right in marriage, that is definitely a very fairy tale thing. But it does have like not as like breakneck. There's more of a progression to it, as far as across the journey of the movie of them like first just becoming like friendly and like friends with each other to those flirty moments and responding and they're they're shippable mm-hmm. which <laughs> these are important things yeah. and then that you do have like such a great supporting like so those are your, your like main leads but then you do have like these great supporting characters that pop up throughout that just have so much like personality and added in because a lot of times in these movies the side like sidekick characters are kind of a make or break you know that your your sebastians your genies your mushus etc that ray as far as having like jim cummings is a super talented voice actor and has been with disney for so long and then they brought him on to this project just because as far as he did live in new orleans for a while so could kind of pull off the accent and like he's a lot of fun and I realized as far as rewatching this, spoiler alert, but Ray's death is super sad. <laughs> it is the most traumatizing thing I have ever watched. I was not, I don't, I remember being like just very emotional watching it. And then, you know, they kind of gave him, you know, his celebration and his, you know, his New Orleans funeral where they're all happy when he, they sent him off and he, you know, joined Evangeline and the sky and it was just like so beautiful and like so poignant and I just I've never been more like messed up by a Disney death um I, I always got made fun of as a kid because I my, my grandmother gives me a hard time she specifically took me to go see Lion King and apparently in the movie theater all the other kids were crying and I was just sitting there watching it like not safe that wow you know. yeah so it took all the way up to Ray for me to actually like get super invested in Disney death. <laughs> so there we go. 
<laughs> I think that that's, I think that that spoke to me a lot more. <laughs> yeah, I remember as far as seeing it the first time, it was more of just like a shock of like, did they just do that? Like for yeah. real fit, he just like stepped on him. I <laughs> because it just dark. came it happened so fast that like it just I was like well that took a turn <laughs> but yeah I don't know it, it's definitely like a weird one because I remember it, like I remember my mom watched it and she's like did they just kill somebody in a Disney movie like that's not a bad guy I was like yeah it was yeah. straight cold like yeah <laughs> facilier don't play <laughs> that and speaking of facilier keith david i mean always 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 the chills that since i was voice. a kid uh, always the chills like just thinking about his voice it gives me chills every time he's in something he, he does it so stinking well i don't understand because like he has like the smoothness of like because basically this is kind of like a con man character but then like it's like smooth and charismatic so it draws you in but there's also that sinister edge to it of like this guy's bad news and just kind of puts you a little on edge like every scene that he's in but you just kind of see like the sly like wheeler dealer sense of it when he's trying to like negotiate with the like voodoo shadow little heads on the wall mm-hmm. and so it's like that's when you know of like because he's so scary that then the por- parts when then like that character is freaked out you're like oh so there's there's some stuff at play here that just give a lot of like interesting like shades to the movie and a big thing as far as I grade with every Disney movie is the Disney villain song as far as Friends on the Other Side. Mainly it's as so far good. as his voice, but then like the choir elements to it, you're just like, oh, it's so good. I, it's terrifying. Like, I know that my son is terrified of it. He doesn't like that song. <laughs> um, uh, so I, it, like my, whenever we're going somewhere, my if we're, my dad's around, and his, his grandfather, he'll ask him, are you ready? But he'll sing it like the song. Uh, <laughs> and he's no. like, no, no, don't like that. No, thanks. No, 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 <laughs> but, no. <laughs> it's, the song is perfect. And I I love all of the New Orleans hoodoo. And it's, it's very much so a very sacred thing. So I like the, the elements that they did have into it. Um, they didn't go too far because it, it is technically a religion down there um mm-hmm. but i do appreciate the elements that they did because i mean it's a huge thing down there very huge throughout mm-hmm. louisiana all the way up through and i like that North it's Carolina. just like acknowledged so then when like naveen starts telling what happened tiana's just like you messed with the shadow man like are you a moron <laughs> like I, I like everybody knows and, and, you know just, even the crocodile <laughs> like, he knows. exactly just boy what are you doing <laughs> and so yeah the it's definitely one of like the underrated disney villain songs that basically kind of the trifectas that be prepared and poor unfortunate souls for me 
that Ooh. they kind of shift in their ranking. Huh. Huh. I mean, I, okay, Friends on the Other Side is definitely in my top. But I, Mother Knows Best, because it's it's just, like, bone-chilling. Like, it just kind of makes you think, and I don't mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> that one kind of got in there for me. Gaslighting as a show tune. <laughs> oh, it's like, I don't like that. Like, she's She's a she's manipulative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no thing. See, that's where it gets too real. Like, because then the ones where it's a, a bit too real life, you're like, I'm not sure. Because between that, as far as gaslighting the show tune, and then um, Hellfire, as far as oh. like. Oh. Oh. Corrupt religion, oh. the show too. <laughs> there's a there's a movie that Kayla does not watch or rewatch, and have not rewatched since I was a kid because I'm terrified of that movie. I so I don't know if I've told this story as far as um, showing how Disney obsessed I am. My first full sentence was a quote from Hunchback of Notre Dame, and that's one of those that then when I rewatched it as an adult, I was like. This is the movie I was obsessed with as a three-year-old. How did <laughs> they, obviously some things went far over my head because this is dark. Yeah, I mean, we—I had a Hunchback of Notre Dame. That is actually my sister. She had one of the the pack and the the old play uh, read and play, but it had the songs on it, like the sounds. You had to read it, and you would play the sound. And um, which is, I can every time I see the movie, I can hear the sounds from the book in my head. And I was like, oh, that was a big part of our life for a while. Terrified the crap out of me because I loved Esmeralda, but I was like, I want to love Esmeralda without watching the movie. But I had to watch the movie to love Esmeralda. I just have not watched it in a really long time. It was definitely terrifying. But the Garfields, where... I love them. <laughs> they used to have a show, like a hunchback show at Disneyland, and it was just like all the happy parts. So it was like out there, and then the gargoyle song, and topsy turvy, and it was just like a fun little festival. And that you had Esmeralda in the, like the cool red dress, and it was fun. But it's like, yeah, we're just gonna gloss over all the the genocide and all that stuff. That's not very Disneyland. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's always very interesting of seeing, like, in just kind of the cultural legacy conversation of, like, how these things do kind of get translated into the other aspects of, like, the greater Disney company and of... Because then, speaking of, like, soundtracks from the movie, just because I hadn't, like watch princess and the frog all the time the dig a little deeper i was more familiar with um there's a show at disneyland that's still on like mickey and the magical map and it's just kind of like disney highlights and the big finale of it is tiana comes out on like this like riverboat flow and it's like a whole parade and she sings dig a little deeper and it's kind of like the grand finish of that and I was like oh yeah it's not actually like her song um when re-watching the movie I'm just so used to like the Parker's performance of it mm. yeah I I the songs are very I remember immediately downloading them and putting on my iTunes on my phone um as soon as I was able to because it's just like the songs always stick with me so we me and my phone sing them we sing you know 
um, almost there all the time. And, uh, 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 when I um when I'm human, which when is I'm actually human, yeah. my favorite from the movie, that's my that's that almost there. And when I'm human, are my favorite. Yeah, um, they're just then, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so almost there and um, down in New Orleans were the two that were nominated for an Oscar. I still say as far as almost there was the one that should have won that that year. Jai Ho from Some Dog Millionaire won, which is a bop as far as I think they played also I would have to see if it was Nicole Scherzinger that that performed on that broadcast or if it was the like the actual original artist in the movie but still I think now like 10 years later in terms of still memorable and like people still care about song wise I I do think almost there definitely trumps Jai Ho oh yeah 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 that's a that's a given. As much as I loved the movie and I loved Jaiho and I love the song and like I love anything everything Bollywood. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think almost there is just kind of like it's quintessential Disney princess song. But mm-hmm. it's full of like hope. Cause I, I think when you get into the some of the other songs and you think about it of the Disney Renaissance, uh, only one person really truly had a song that was her song. Because the reprise that Belle sings is not really her song because it was originally from the very beginning of the movie. And Jasmine doesn't have a song until the live action. Um, So technically, Ariel is the only one that Like Ariel and Mulan are the only ones. Yeah. yeah. So I think as far as it's not like it's just so full of hope and it's very earnest. And I think that that is what kind of helps it. And it's very in that it's in the, it's in the pocket um, yeah. music wise. And it kind of it's so catchy and, and beautiful. And because it's also are... the balance of it, it sounds great. And there are like the big glory notes too of when I talk about like Disney songs of which ones like go up in people's favorites and are just what what ones become iconic like part of it too is it's impressive but it still is easy enough to sing that you can sing along if you want to that's where I always had an issue with let it go because it gets to the point where you're like nope my alto self cannot do that and And same went for the sequel. I was like, okay, Into the Unknown is the new one. And then it's like, she sings that phrase the first time. You're like, I can sing that. Sings mm-hmm. it the second. A little stretch, but there. And then she goes up one more time and you're like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that's... I, I, it's tough because you want to love them so much, but they they are very... Where they sit on where you singable you have to be able to if you have the range to do that i unfortunately do and i get asked to do whenever we go to karaoke that's like my thing is to do a disney princess song because unfortunately i was always a soprano and an alto um it's changed a little bit because i've gotten older but i think that that's what's beautiful about almost there because she does get up into a higher register but it's very much still you can still sing it in the car 
if yeah. you need to. You can still sing it around the house if you listen to it. Because that's where Other... it, there's still a level of singability that, like, it's up there with, like, part of your world or how far I'll go or, like, those kind of things that you can still have your Disney princess moment in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other song that's like that is um, uh, uh, Hercules for females, and I will. I had explained that one to my father. Um, I was like, "That's why a lot of girls like that song because it is singable." Oh, I won't say I'm in love. No, it's actually Hercules' song. Um, oh go uh, the distance go the distance i was like that's yeah. why a lot of girls love that song because we can actually sing it yes <laughs> like, well, the, like, the entire mm-hmm. hercules soundtrack that that that's yes. going to be a whole nother podcast episode we we will attack you <laughs> tackle hercules <laughs> because yeah. oh, so good but staying on task as far as <laughs> like down in New Orleans that it, it sets it up in the vibe. Some of it just the Randy Newman of it all. Like just because he is so ubiquitous like across Pixar and things you're just like it takes away a little bit of the specialness because it's just Randy Newman doing Randy Newman things. Mm-hmm. But like it still is a good way to just kind of set the scene if you will that you kind of get like the like flavor of in like feel of the movie it's but... beautifully it's beautiful instrumental mm-hmm. that's how i have to explain that yeah. song i can't do too much of the I, i'd rather have it just be instrumental because mm-hmm. it's it, it's that gives it more of the feel and what it sounds like down there than with the the very loud singing <laughs> And we'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) But Dig a Little Deeper is a lot of fun as far as from someone that I was in choir in high school. So anytime you get like a full like choir finish to it, it, I always enjoy. Mm -hmm. Because it does kind of have a bit more of like that gospel feel to it almost. And we already kind of touched on Friends on the Other Side. So it's just it's one of those things where visually it's gorgeous the song the songs are awesome and then like the characters are great they it's a gem absolutely beautiful movie like it's 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 so it's just i try to explain it's such a good comfort movie if you're just ever feeling down and i was had a lot of points where i was feeling down that's a movie that just kind of makes you feel better and I don't know what it is about it, but it just makes you feel good after you've watched it. Absolutely. That, well, and we'll get into this a bit more as far as we're trying not to keep this episode too long because I will still be back for another segment in just an audio break. Well, um, I know this movie means a lot to Megan, my co-host as well, that getting into like the female friendship element as far as Lottie, Lottie's fabulous and I love her but I I, we're gonna get into that discussion because Lottie's literally one of Megan's favorite Disney characters of all time so um we'll touch down on that for a bit but Kayla thank you so much for coming on that this has been a delight and are there anything you want to plug as far as where the people can find you um 
I, it's been so fun. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I feel very honored. Um, you can find me everywhere uh, at Maria underscore Hisela, and I will spell it. It's C-I-E-S-E-L-A. Always have the extra E. Um, and I am on another podcast called Itubantas Tambien, and it is a Star Wars podcast, and it's talked about from a Latinx point of view with my co-host Katrina, and you can follow her, oh, Katrina. Um, yeah, I have some stuff coming down the pipeline that I can't, like, talk about just yet, because that's normally how that goes. But if you follow me, you'll see them. <laughs> but well, thank you guys so much for having as- me. Yeah, definitely stay posted as far as give Kayla a follow because she's a lot of fun and there will be, she regularly has some good Disney content on there. And so that is a blessing to the timeline. And so thank you so much. um, And we'll be back after these brief messages, although we don't actually have ads because we don't make money, alas. But thanks again. (laughs) Bye. And so our brief break after the first segment with Kayla's finish. And so Megan's back. Yeah. You know, just my body tried to break down. So fine. Getting older isn't fun because then your <laughs> your neck and your back decide to get just, mad at you every now and then. Just, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's a, a song that went around on social media about this girl talking about what it's like when you turn 30 and how your body just starts to very quickly decline. Um, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm that entire song right now. Bless your heart. I'm just that entire song. You have range of motion again, so that's good. I do finally, cause you know, that was rough. I will never again take for granted, like, bending down or like being able to turn my neck and look at someone while they're talking to me tis true it's awful. And so that's why we've we've been a little quiet since our hsm fest so but we're back and we are happy to talk our princess and the frog discussion continues because Yay! megan you love this movie so i love princess you, and the frog you needed to be included in this <laughs> I love Princess and the Frog so much. I because I think if you weren't included, you would drive from Chicago just to like slap uh-huh. me in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I would. I would because I love Princess and the Frog so much, and I would have been so sad if I couldn't talk about how amazing it is. And so you saw it in theaters, right? Actually, I did not. Here's I know. So here's the thing, right? La scandal. I know. So I I think it was just one of those things where it got away from me. Like, I don't even think, I don't think I saw Tangled in theaters either. And I love Tangled so much. I think, I think, I know why Tangled got away from me. Tangled got away from me because it was originally just called Rapunzel. And I was like, mm, not here and for the mar- that. And the marketing was weird. And- yeah. And so, like, that one didn't really do it for me. I think this one just kind of got away from me. One of those movies where you're like, oh, I really want to go see that. And by the time you finally have time, it's too late. It's already gone. But Well, as we discussed earlier in the episode, like, in the years leading up to Princess and the Frog, Disney animation was kind of majorly faltering. Yeah. It wasn't really... The level of much. quality wasn't as there. high as it was in the Renaissance. We'll just say right. That. And this 
hearkened back to that. They were like, no, we're doing Princess and the Frog the way we did The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast. And that, like, you know, had done it for me. And I was really excited about that. And I think it was just a thing where it just got away from me. But the first time I watched it, and this happened also when I saw Brave, the first time I watched both of them, I was like, okay, sure. That was okay. I watched it. And then I watched both of them again. And I was like, let me, let me watch these again just so I can, you know, have a better understanding. And then by the third time I watched both of them, I was like, I love these movies. I fell asleep to Princess and the Frog for like a year. I fell asleep every night to Princess and the Frog. And then when it went off on demand, I got so upset. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to fall asleep to? And then it was Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, but it's neither here nor there. So... I, As we, we digress. <laughs> we digress. I loved it. The second time I saw it, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm very, I'm more interested. Then the third time I saw it, I was like, what was I thinking the first two times? This is incredible. I love this so much. I really do. I, I just, I think what I like, I think what I like the most is that and I think I f- this is why I also gravitate so deeply towards, like like I said, Brave and Tangled and Moana, is that, especially with, like, Brave and Moana, none of these girls set out with the intention to find a man. In no way, shape, or form is romance on their minds. Does it happen for Tiana and Rapunzel? Sure. But that's literally not their goal bonus at all like they like tiana is the only princess i feel that because you know like i said moana's not technically a disney princess she's i mean she is but she hasn't been coronated so we can't like fully call her a disney princess yet um the other two you know moana or not moana i'm sorry it's one of those things where people have like the discussion you know how when disney bought box everyone's like oh anastasia's a disney princess now and it's like no well not really because honestly disney princess is all in branding and so characters aren't officially a disney princess until they get featured on disney princess branded stuff exactly and they have like a whole coronation ceremony it's a big to do and it's a whole thing. It is. And Moana hasn't gotten there yet. Uh, she will. I'm sure of it. But for now, she's not. But, you know. But then there's situations where the brand is successful enough individually, i.e. Frozen. Right. That it's its own thing. Right. Exactly. So you have Disney princess stuff and then you have Frozen stuff. Which Frozen is its whole thing altogether. We know all that. So, um... I mean, they literally have duct tape with, like, Sven's face on it. And that's weird. I don't understand it. But here we are. Um, People buy it. People buy it. So, um, but I think that all four of them, and this started with Tiana, Tiana, that all four of those princesses, none of them had anything other than ambition on their mind. Like, Tiana, her whole goal, 
Her whole goal she's been working for her whole life was she wanted to open her own restaurant. She just wanted her own business. She wanted her own restaurant that had her name on it that she earned. She's been saving up and working so many jobs just to get her own restaurant. And even throughout the whole movie. like fulfilling family legacy and stuff. Yeah. And throughout the whole movie, all she says is, oh, this is what I have to do for my restaurant. Oh, my God. I'm so blinded by everything else that I'm not thinking this can help me with my restaurant like that's all she's thinking about the whole time and it isn't until the end that she's like oh my god do I like Naveen her lesson is work-life balance yeah yeah that's literally what it is like that whole Mama Odie song where she's like Mama Odie's just telling her over and over again you're not getting it why aren't you getting it and she's like no I just gotta work hard for my restaurant and Mama Odie's like no my god that's not it that's not point dick little song was a metaphor (laughs) it's like there's a whole song dedicated to her realizing that like everything is not just to get your restaurant you have to enjoy your life too and she's like no I just have to get my restaurant and then I can do all of that and that's why I think I love her so much and I think why people also tend to not necessarily gravitate towards her um, because her narrative is not love it's not just like Merida spends the whole movie saying look I get it I'm supposed to marry and like I want my freedom (laughs) If you had your chance to change out of your fate, would would you? you? Like, she all that's all she cares about is changing her fate. That's it. She's like, no, I'm going to ride this horse. I'm going to shoot my boo. And I'm going to go on with my merry way. And that's it. And then all Rapunzel wants to do is just go see the lanterns. That's all she wants to see is the lanterns. Granted, they're about her being kidnapped. But, like, you know, whatever. She just wants to get out. It all works out in the end. And then... Moana, she just wants to save her island. That's it. Yeah. She just wants to save her island. And I think that string of ambition over love is what I think I love the most about all four of those characters. Is that, and it started with Tiana, where I was like, you know what? They're not concerned with it. They're not. They don't care about love. That's not what's on their mind, which is such a shift in the well, princess narrative. What I like about it, too, is that there's still a balance to it because it's not so in your face, like, girl power-y that, you know, the point of Tiana's story is that, like, having romantic love doesn't make her weak or lazy or that, like, it's... Like, that way she's not focusing hard enough on her dream if she lets people in her life. And so it shows that this, like, Tiana's ambition is a good thing, but it also shows that romantic connections and family connections and different stuff like that is also a good thing. So it shows the balance there, that there's a lot of nuance to it. Right, because, like, her mom is one of the most important people in her life. Like, her mom is her biggest cheerleader when she finally gets the money that Lottie just like literally throws at her and is like I need 400 beignets bye and then just runs off her mom is the first person who's at the tentative restaurant and is like here's your dad's gumbo pot I want you to succeed like that's all that's the best it's so great but then also just showing of like her dad too of the he had all these ambitions and dreams too but he also recognized that he had his family and that that's like 
even if he wasn't able to accomplish his dreams while he was still alive, that, like, his family is more important than that, in a sense, as well. Like, priorities. Right. I agree. And uh, I just think... And she also wants to bring her community together. Like, she... You know what I mean? Like she t- when she's little, she and wanted to be like a place her- where everyone like comes together and it, the right. Commun- exactly. Remember the, remember the Nick and Ike campaign of share more than meals at the family table. But like, <laughs> <laughs> that's like a very specific pop culture memory that I have. That's during, okay. Like, we all have them. Yes, and because it was like. Malcolm Jamal Warner something was the one that like narrated that but (laughs) anywho the but basically just the communal power of like sharing food with one another that it is something that like unites people and so and that's something that like her dad taught her and so that she wanted to carry that out to like full fruition yes and like and then she just and all the people around her, she's, uh, I don't some know. people just don't get it. Yeah. Like the cook. He's like, okay, you have as much chance of opening that restaurant than I do that win in the Kentucky Derby. And then she's like, I'm going to do it. Watch. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then she does. And it's fantastic. But I do agree that I think those movies all do the same thing of, proving you can have that ambition and you can have connection too like i mean look at all the friends she makes along the way right exactly because like actually you did kind of bring a point of basically the 21st century like disney fairy tale princess but also not princess we already kind of got into the minutia of that but of those like modern stories where it does kind of show that you have an ambition and a goal and an adventure and stuff, but that there is also like the personal connections and that, especially considering that both Merida and Moana are still children, like their thing is really just creating like friends and in Merida's case, like her bond with her mom. But right, that each, like each of these has the hallmark of that you have like these grand adventures and everything and even frozen too that um where all of these modern stories have both <laughs> and that it's it's a long way from ariel let's just say that <sighs> look i love my girl i really do i love her so much <laughs> ariel you can't just run away at 16 and say i'm gonna marry this guy and and the one th- the one thing that gets me every single time about Ariel is that one line. I keep, I'm, I haven't dropped it in like thir- the 30 years since it's happened is when uh, Ariel says in her song, I bet uh, up above they don't reprimand their daughters. And I'm like, yes, yeah, girl, yeah, yes, they, they do. do. That doesn't change because you're not a mermaid. Consequences still exist, okay? I always say 
The Little Mermaid is the twilight of the Disney canon of God, I cannot believe the plot you just doesn't made hold that up reference. to modern standards. Oh my god, that connection! <gasps> oh my god! So the plot doesn't hold up to modern standards, and the okay, protagonist can have work, but the soundtrack has some bangers. Oh! We can't even... That soundtrack, the Twilight soundtracks... At least Little Mermaid deserved that soundtrack. Twilight didn't deserve that to go Under that hard. Under the Sea is the supermassive black hole of... <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> That's going to carry me through this whole week. <laughs> oh my god, I love that so much. It's so true. Oh, it's so true. But yes, I understand what you're saying. But I think this is a story, even though it's set in... But that's where, as far as all of this progress and all of this, like, progress that has been made, it's because of Princess and the Frog. It, like, she's really the culmination of where the ball started rolling on this. I agree. I you, agree. You don't get Tangled, you don't get Frozen, you don't get Moana without Princess and the Frog. So... You really don't. Respect. <laughs> You don't. And think about all the songs we wouldn't have. Think about the songs we wouldn't have if it weren't for Tiana. We wouldn't have How Far I'll Go. <gasps> Say it isn't so. I know. And we wouldn't have the single, one of the single most romantic scenes in all of Disney history, which is I See the Light. We wouldn't have the lanterns. Like... A good third of the musical programs that are included in Happily Ever After, which we will get to. Oh, I can't wait to get there. It makes me so emotional. It makes me so, so emotional. So actually, bringing, let's just bring it up while it, it presented itself. It did. And it, we have to run with it when it presents itself. So if you haven't so seen... So part of the cultural legacy of Princess and the Frog that I, I still stand by, that it has been criminally underrepresented grossly underrepresented especially because in particular Disneyland in California has an entire land that is devoted to New Orleans yeah so what gives like you can only get as far as I know because I've never seen them in Disney World anywhere is you can only get Mickey beignets in Disneyland and it's only at that whole area. That's it. Florida is lacking in that term. How do you not understand how many people want to have Tiana's famous beignets? Man catching beignets. Man catching beignets. That's such a great line. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines. And how do you also, just how do you not capitalize on that? How do you have an entire princess? whose sole ambition is to open a restaurant and you don't open a restaurant. So I think part of it too, of just that, like, because the steps to have that like perfect vertical integration and synergy were totally there. They were just because princess and the frog, like it wasn't a bomb, but it wasn't exactly a smash hit either box office wise. And I honestly feel until Frozen happened, Disney didn't know how to market their movies post-Renaissance. And so it was very weak marketing. For because Prince like we Frog. said, Tangled had a horrible marketing 
campaign. And so did Frozen. Horrible! Like, I had no idea what Frozen was until I saw it. At all. I had no clue. I knew that Tangled was about... I knew Tangled was about Rapunzel. That was it. Mm -hmm. That was it. That's all pretty much we were given. Yeah. Because basically about six weeks before the movie came out, they did the Christmas-themed World of Color at Disneyland. And that's where they first previewed Let It Go. And that's where I saw that. And I was like, oh, so that's what's going on in that movie. Okay. (laughs) We didn't know from the trailers. No clue. And they tried to go like the DreamWorks route of like marketing Tangled. And then there was basically no marketing a gorgeous poster but besides that really like very weak marketing for princess and the frog and then also, it was really weak right yeah it was really weak because as we all know the disney marketing machine is a powerful thing that can make anything happen it can and they did a huge disservice to certain movies for a while and so they are like that lucky. did a service. I understand part of it too. It was two thousand nine, and like, there's a good chunk of people that are racist. And that's, I mean, that's we're just saying. There's nothing it, we can do about that. And so it's like Disney made the step that, as far as it was about time to include that. And part of part of when you do things that are on the right side of history sometimes you take the financial hit on that but that right. doesn't diminish as far as the quality of the work that you created and what kind of legacy it can have and so they took a major step back as far as especially now like 10 years later well 10 plus at this point yeah that how much Tiana's featured in the parks? How much Tiana's featured in Disney Princess merch? It's or like nuts. where she's positioned of like should be more front and center because she is one of the newer ones. And so the newer princesses are going to be what the younger generations connect to anyway. But what do you see? You see Anna and Elsa everywhere. You see Moana everywhere. Other than the daytime parade at Disney World I never saw Merida and I never saw Tiana those were the only two times I that was the only time I saw both of them just then that was it because as far as of the newer ones like Rapunzel got the big push oh she yeah I saw her a bunch a blonde Disney princess. <laughs> yeah, it's not hard. And like you go, say you go to one of the various princess uh, themed uh, dinners or lunches, breakfast, whatever. There's um, the one at Cinderella's castle. There's uh, the one at the Grand Floridian. There's um, there are a few other ones, but different hotels and things. Because there's one that like. Ariel and Rapunzel do right and then there's the the store like the story time with Belle at her castle you do all of those things who's missing because it's always going to be Tiana that's missing always and it's very difficult for you to find her because you go to Epcot right and in 
Denmark, you can meet Anna and Elsa. In France, you can meet Belle. In Germany, you can meet Snow White. In China, you can meet Mulan. You can't meet Tiana anywhere at Epcot. She should be in the America section. she That's what I'm saying. She should at least be in the America section. And you can absolutely sell her beignets at one of those food stalls. Absolutely. There's no way. You can meet Jasmine and Aladdin in Morocco, I'm pretty sure. It would be very easy to, like one-year theme food and wine festival after like princess and the frog it's just like it's so criminal so they're starting to get better with it because they are like mentioning so um i talked earlier in the episode so princess and the frog is the big finale for mickey and the magical map which is a show at disneyland that they do and so um, Tiana comes out on a riverboat float. They sing Dig a Little Deeper. It's a whole big finish. It's a lot of fun. And the performer kills it every time. And Which Dig a Little Deeper is the Mama Odie song I was talking about earlier when she was mm-hmm. like, I just have to work harder to get my restaurant. And Mama Odie's like, no, no, that's literally not what I'm saying. So that's Dig a Little Deeper for those of you who didn't. I didn't say it was Dig a Little Deeper, but there you go. But with gospel flamingos. And oh, then. Yes. But more importantly, um, so Happy Happily Ever After is the newest fireworks spectacular that is at Walt Disney World in the Magic Kingdom, and it's a fantastic show with like the digital projection technology, that which is incredible, the mix, mixed in with the fireworks, and they specifically created new animation with different characters. One of them being <gasps> Tiana is. Once once the original, like, the first batch of the original song is finished, then it starts off, like, the first IP property that is shown is Tiana with, like, basically the prologue for Princess and the Frog. And they did new animation for putting her on the castle for that. And so that was the kind of cool thing with that show. It does kind of feature some deeper cuts because you get, like, Hunchback of Notre Dame and that... Wreck-It-Ralph is there, too. Wreck-It-Ralph and, like, Go the Distance is featured in that they have Frozen stuff, but it's Love is an Open Door, Not Let It Go. Which I love because we get it. We get it. We get it. Everyone knows the song. There are other songs. There are other songs. There are other songs. But, so, like, that's one of the things of a very big like branded front where Tiana is kind of front and center which was kind of cool and so I think especially now with like 10th anniversary and different stuff um there were different stuff that came out this past year for that specifically on for example the Disney Princess Colourpop collection that came out last year um I have the, the Tiana that lipstick were included. I have the Tiana eyeshadow and yeah, the so, Tiana lipstick the um because that one doesn't have every Disney princess on there. I think it's like six. Mm-hmm. So it's like six of the 12. And so, but they did include Tiana on that. Which, which was great. Respect. Mm-hmm. And so that is something where people are kind of turning around on it. And I think that is something, especially with streaming services, because before Disney Plus launched, Princess and the Frog was on Netflix. So that kind of helped mm-hmm. people Absolutely. have easy access to it and kind of bring it back to the forefront. And I and got... So- So, okay, so I knew that I would be going to Disney World this past Jan, this Jan, like, you know, a month and a half ago, almost two months ago. I knew I was going. 
So I purposely did not because I knew that wishes had ended and all of that. And I knew that they had a new show. So I purposely, very difficult, and it was very difficult for me to do so, but I avoided watching the show on YouTube because I wanted to see it for the first time when I was there. And I'm already like a super emotional person, um, but Disney makes me even more emotional. And um, I was watching, the show started, and it's just, you hear the evening star shines bright, and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, it's Tila, oh my god, I don't know how to deal with this, oh my god, because it was, it's like, you can't go anywhere and get super cute Tiana and Princess and the Frog gear anywhere. You can't go. Do you know how quickly I can't describe how fast I would buy Dr. Facilier ears? I would buy them so fast. Like the bow could be a, the skull and crossbone and like I could I could make this right now. Like I can't even describe how quickly I'd buy those. And they can't say it wouldn't sell because they made Coco Day of the Dead ears, which I have because I <laughs> I can't even talk about Coco without crying. So I have those. So we won't. <laughs> if you if you watch Coco and you don't even you're you're crazy. You have no emotion whatsoever if you watch Coco and you don't cry. It's that simple. It's that simple. But they have those Day of the Dead ears. You can't say people won't buy that because those ears sold out everywhere. I saw Coco ears everywhere y'all, in y'all Disney. Y'all made Jack Skellington a thing, so... Oh, my God! I didn't even think about that. Jack Skellington is everywhere, and you profit off it every day, Disney. No, there's no way they don't profit every single day off of Jack Skellington merchandise. It's just... It's not possible. It's not possible. So, people buy that up like hotcakes, okay? We can have... Dr. Facilier ears. We can have beignet ears. Do you know how fast I buy beignet ears? I buy them so fast. Oh my god. It's great. Or even like, I don't know if they would be able to do it with fireflies, but I would buy those too. Like little Ray Firefly ones. There's so many opportunities and they don't take it. They don't take it and it's annoying. Etsy is the only one profiting from that. Disney is not. Oh, I wonder if they have Dr. Facilier ears on Etsy now that I'm thinking about it. Anyway, but there's no Staying way. On task. There's no way you can just go into a park. You have to search. And I mean search. And be lucky if you find something for Princess and the Frog anywhere. Yeah. In the parks. You have to go to like box lunch. And that's not. They don't even really have anything. It's it's so underwhelming. And so annoying that you can't find. And there's an audience for it. There's just, there's nothing. And it's annoying. It's like, come on. You are missing out on so many opportunities. Like, there are so many different ways you could represent her in the parks. You could have beignets. You could have an entire, you could literally put an entire stand in Epcot or like in Magic Kingdom or something and just call it something from the movie and just say just have the whole menu be everything Louis said everything 
He talks about gumbo and muffalettas and, oh, my God, he just talks about so much food. And you're like, you could make an entire menu out of everything he says he talk, he wants to eat when he's human again. Very true. And it's so annoying because they don't. They just don't. So there's stuff on the horizon. So um, there is a new hotel that got announced at D23 this year. And it's said to have a Princess and the Frog themed restaurant. And so um, it looks like it's going to be like lightly themed. So it's not like I I personally would love a like fully immersive. So like the 20s Art Deco, like Tiana's Palace kind of feel. But this one is just like. I want chandeliers. I want chandeliers. And I want I want it to look like it does in the movie. And I don't yeah. like that you're saying the almost almost their sequence come to life. So this is more oh. like naturalistic, just inspired by the movie, which it, it'll work. It'll be its own thing. Like Imagineers don't disappoint in that aspect, but it won't be like truly bringing like the restaurant from the movie is really what what you want to experience. Exactly. But that is one of the things as far as theme of the episode of just this movie's so good and it just it, get, it gets overlooked but, it's so good and, like so it has just such great characters and the songs and everything and one thing we didn't even really touch on it's one of the once again i know we keep saying of like before these movies did it princess and the frog did it so before the whole sisterhood girl power of frozen one of the best is it time one of the best female friendships in a disney movie it's time. John and Lottie. <sighs> okay. Make okay. it away. Okay. So, I think the strongest thing, other than the fact that Tiana is a princess, who is, she's a girl who doesn't even start out as a princess, she just becomes a princess at the end, her, other than, like, the fact that her sole goal in this is to have her own restaurant and make something of herself and make her family proud, is I think the strongest thing in this is her relationship with Lottie. Lottie is a very, um, I don't want to say stuck up because she's not. She's a very spoiled rich girl whose dad is what we're made to believe is just someone who has a lot of money and kind of runs things. Like things tend to go their way all the time. But when they're little, when they're very little, like in the very first scene that you see them in, they can't be more than like five. Would you say can't be more than five? Yeah, they're like five. They're like five. And they're sitting there. They're sitting there and they're talking like, um, so, Tiana's mom is a seamstress and she makes all these custom dresses for Lottie because what Lottie wants, Lottie gets. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that from a, I wish that was my life kind of standpoint, but I appreciate that regardless. And when they're five and her mom has made Charlotte Lottie, I'm sorry, her name is Charlotte, but they call her Lottie. She makes her more custom dresses. She's sitting there and the two girls are listening to a story from Tiana's mom. Again, let's put this into perspective here. This is the 1920s in New Orleans, which is the Deep South. Okay? So, putting that into perspective, when they're five, which, you know, when you're little, it's easy 
you don't really see color you see the person and instead but you know so they're sitting there they're reading the story they're having so much fun together they're hanging out and she says we're friends Tiana you are my friend no matter what it doesn't matter I don't care where you come from I don't care where I come from we're friends and instead of that being something that she grows out of and understands the prejudice of the time she stays friends with Tiana the whole time she never never stops being friends with Tiana she still sees Tiana as one of her best friends and uh, when the Prince Naveen is coming uh, to New Orleans Lottie says I'm gonna invite him to my I'm gonna have a ball I'm gonna invite him and I'm gonna make that prince mine and I'm gonna become a princess for real I know I'm a princess already but I'm gonna for real have that title and she says Tiana I need you to make all these beignets here here's a bunch of money I'm not even gonna count it Whoop! I'm just gonna throw it at you because I know all what you're money. capable of she doesn't even care because she knows that Tiana is capable of making the best beignets in the city and she's like why would I go to anyone else when I can have my friend do it then when they're at the party and one of my favorite things ever is when Lottie walks out and she throws the glitter in the air and like just lets it rain down around her. Ideal. Ideal. Goals. Exactly. But when that happens, like something goes wrong and we don't realize why it's going wrong yet. But this whole thing happens and uh, something gets all over Tiana's costume. And Lottie's like, oh my God, what happened? Come on, let's go clean you up. I'll give you a dress of mine. She doesn't even think twice. She's like, no, I'm going to help you. You're my friend. I don't care about anything else. You're still my friend. I'm going to help you. And then she, she, like, she's a little bit of a self-absorbed character until, like, uh, she yeah. does take the time to, like, pause and then sees that, like, something is actually wrong with Tiana. And then is like, oh, well, you feel bad. I know how to make you feel better. Put on a pretty dress. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And she's and she tells her how gorgeous she looks and oh it's so fantastic and she says remember when we were younger and she brings up all these memories that they've shared together their whole lives and that's so different for that time period and Disney could have gone another way with it in the way that they did with Pocahontas where and they, they showed made her a villain too yeah where they showed that division with race but they didn't. They chose to make this a story about friendship that goes beyond time, that goes beyond race, that goes beyond anything, right? And so mm-hmm. then fast forward to the end of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And Tiana goes and tells her, Lottie, it's me. I'm the frog. Hello. Don't squash me. I'm the frog. Help. And um, she says, if I don't get a princess to kiss this frog then I'm I'm stuck like this forever and I'm never going to get what I want and so Lottie says you know what I'm going to take one for the team I'm going to kiss this frog so that I can save you and I can help you and she kisses Naveen over and over and over again without you know because she's the princess of the Mardi Gras and well because at first Naveen is trying to do like a self-sacrificial thing of like he's like okay I'll marry Lottie if it helps Tiana get what she wants right but Tiana does express of like no I actually have feelings for you like don't marry her and um, Tiana does have this great moment where they could have written her 
as like a villain or like a heel turn or something like a Prince Hans moment um, where she becomes bad but she sees that like they genuinely love each other and because she's so obsessed with like the fairy tale happily ever after that she says I've spent so much time believing in this that I want you to have your own happily ever after you're you're getting the real deal and just getting to watch it is is good enough for me that I'm not going to get in the way of that and so but like still kiss him just to like try to make you not frogs right and And like she says in essence she's saying I love you enough to make sure that you get what you deserve and this is what you deserve you deserve a happily ever after and that's so because that moment is sacrificing her dream for tiana's right and that didn't happen before then it just didn't it just it didn't it didn't i mean you had sure you had like beast sacrifice himself to save bell and you had eric well, it sacrifice was like romantic himself. partner stuff but like these characters besides pocahontas none of the, the disney princesses have friends i mean yeah i mean they have an they have animals which is not the same thing it's just no. not the same it's just not the same it's thing it's kind of like you know how you can have a little bit of self-care just by cuddling with your dog but but your only friends can't be ones that can't speak back being with actual people <laughs> yeah like i mean really these people these characters they don't have friends other i mean and you can't really say that the seven dwarfs are her friends no and then cinderella just has the mice sleeping beauty has her fairies which like they're they're, more maternal they're more yeah they're more maternal than they are you know platonic so that's ariel has sebastian which is again an animal those don't count they don't so up Beauty until the then it's a little tricky because they technically are people but like still like once again mrs potts is more of a maternal thing you know exactly and up until then the only time we really saw friendship in that way in terms of disney was like toy story and that wasn't enough either. It just wasn't. Or like Mike and Sully, which again, that's more you know Pixar, but that was still not female that was friendship. Bro friendship, yeah. And that's what I think made it so special because then they they finally you know figure out okay, we're gonna become they become human again, and they have their happily ever after, and they're dancing at Tiana's restaurant because Tiana finally gets what she's been hoping for her whole life, and. Lottie starts dancing with Naveen's younger brother and she's like well I've waited this long because he's like nine and so she's like I'll wait longer it's okay it's just not my time yet it's Tiana's time and I'm accepting of that and she's there at the opening of her restaurant and oh she's just so perfect she's so perfect and she's just funny and hilarious oh my god she has the best lines lines in the movie she has. She's the one who talks about Tiana's man catching beignets, which truth. <laughs> I mean, exactly. And um, I just, <laughs> I love when uh, she's talking about. She's like, "Daddy, daddy, daddy, did you tell her the good news?" And he starts to tell her, and she's like, like literally says like two words, and then, like, <laughs> and then she cuts him off, and then. He starts saying again, and she cuts him off, and then he finally shoves a beignet in her mouth, and oh my god, it's just, it's the, 
It's the funniest thing. And I love her so. And it's the perfect balance of comic relief and heart. It really is because she is funny, but she has such heart. And I think that is sometimes what's lacking in Disney movies is that, sure, these girls, like the whole Dream Big Princess campaign, right? The whole thing is about be ambitious, be who you want to be, be like a princess. If you want to go out there and do and be daring and, you know, shoot a bow and arrow, if you want to go become a wayfarer, anything, be be daring and be yourself and be everything you want to be. And it's like, we need that, sure. And we need stronger princesses like we've seen since Tiana, sure. But something like the relationship between Tiana and Lottie and I guess also the relationship once between again, Anna and Elsa are sisters. So right, that's need- what I was about to say. Like, Anna and Elsa are sisters, so you want to see that kind of relationship. But Tiana and Lottie are the- just friends. They're just friends, and they've been we friends need their whole lives. that have friends. Like, how, why is it so difficult to write in friends? Like, Merida doesn't even have friends. No. She doesn't have friends. Moana has Hey, hey, and Pua. Okay? Hey, hey, and Pua. Maui becomes a friend. <laughs> yeah, that's... But that takes time. Like, Tiana and Lottie, right off the bat, you know, they're friends. Because he's an arrogant bro. And exactly. So, exactly. Which, you know, like, we need more of those. Um, And as Just About Right is the thing that brought us together... Our, the motto of that site hashtag ladies supporting ladies it's something we need it is something we need and little girls need to see that as early as possible like yes you see it on shows like Elena of Avalor but again half the time it's her and her sister so that's difficult and sure um, and once again, small screen doesn't have the like same level of impact as like a theatrical it, release. Disney exactly, does. it doesn't. So, I think moving forward, Disney needs to make more choices that are okay. How can we improve this story, and can we just include a friend every once in a while? Because I think that is something. Even like in Wreck-It Ralph, the central relationship is the friendship between Vanellope and Ralph. That's true. That's really like the driving force behind the whole story is the relationship that these two characters share together. So that is our resolution if we were in charge of Disney. More More female friendships. More beignets, more friendship. <laughs> more beignets, more friendship. And someone all, make the shirt. And all the right people getting their own segments during Disney on Ice. I'm So there we go. So watch Princess and the Frog Yell. And then petition Disney to have better female friendships in their movies. More friendships, more beignets. Make it happen. <laughs> Always more beignets. So once again, we appreciate you listening so much and exciting news. We have an Instagram now. Ooh. So we're on the gram so uh, once upon a stream same name as our twitter same name as this podcast mm, also look at our that. username on insta you isn't don't even have to just, do any work isn't that just peachy i thought so you can copy and paste that and so <laughs> when you're searching but make sure to follow us there um we'll have teases about upcoming episodes and 
potential guests that are coming and fun topics. And so um, a lot of cool things that are happening down the pipeline. And then you can also follow us individually, personally at Maddie Shook. I'm at Miss Megan Mann. And so um, we appreciate your support. Stay tuned for, and also another thing, a bit of housekeeping. Um, We are going to be a lot more consistent as far as when we're posting these episodes and just because we have actual jobs and other lives and things (laughs) to take care of that this is going to be instead of I know earlier we were shooting for weekly and then it sort of didn't happen and so with this we're staying to it of this is going to be every other week now just to give us a little bit more space to properly do this and gives us the time to really kind of create the episodes that we want you to hear and so that way stay tuned for um as far as follow us on our socials and you'll kind of see when our next episodes are coming up and thanks again bye bye